Welcome to episode 105 of Below the Fold, where some of the best content is just a scroll away. Today's conversation is on the biggest mistakes digital marketers are currently making. Let me throw down some introductions. In the studio, I've got Nate Birch, SEO manager of MapR Technologies. That's me. Brandon Hassler, founder and CEO of Market Campus. What's up, my man? And Paxton Gray, Director of Marketing Operations at 97th Floor. How's it going, Jacob? And I'm your host, Jacob Perry. I'm a Digital Marketing Manager at Myriad Genetics. Brandon, take us away. All right, so I wanted to talk about the biggest mistakes. I think it's an interesting topic. I think everybody makes mistakes, so uh, it's interesting just to see the different perspectives that we have here. Uh, I've had several thoughts, and... And I'll probably get through them throughout the show. The two biggest ones, if I had to pick the big ones, in inside of, and I, I mainly see this with agencies, I think many, many agencies are going about link building the wrong way. I would exempt 97th Floor. I think they do a fantastic job. So if you want to hire them, feel free. Here's my plug for you, Paxton. And, uh, but like really, like when I, like, and I, I see it a lot just because a lot of our students go and work for a lot of different agencies or, freelancers who are kind of starting an agency and the link building it is insane how I firmly believe that 90, 95% of marketing agencies are about three to four years behind on like how link building should be done. Like so many people are still putting this huge emphasis on these crappy blog posts. So I would say that's one big area. And Hang on, before you go on, I want to hear what you think the proper way of link building should be. So, well, I think and we talked about this on a, uh, our previous episode, maybe it was two episodes ago, uh, we talked a lot about content marketing. And I, I firmly believe that when you put the focus on content marketing, when it comes to getting links, that's the best way. Like when we, when we took our focus off, when I was in the agency setting, when I took the focus off doing these big old automated templates and whatnot, I mean, that's really old school, but even just focusing on guest posting and guest posting and guest posting, I found way more results when we took the, and it was way more fun to sit down as a team, brainstorm some fun ideas like video, images, whatever the medium is, make good content. We were getting better links from bigger publications without put, with putting in, like, it's just so much more fun. And, and you got much better links versus just contacting some health blogger saying, hey, can I post this? That is unfortunately, and that's not even, like a lot of agencies aren't even doing that good. So that's the specific. I think that they're focusing a lot on text, guest blog posts, I think more emphasis should be put on fun content that people actually love to read and share and not be so obsessive with page rank and, and domain authority and all that crap. That stuff just kind of naturally happens as you're building good content. I'm not sure if that's specific enough. No, I think, no, I think that's great. Basically, the distinction is the difference between going out and building links and having people come yeah, to exactly. you and build links. I, I'm all about having your fans build links for you. Like ultimately, I mean, that's easier said than done, obviously. It depends on what stage you're at in your brand. But that's the goal you should be working towards. Like, that's true link building. You're getting good links. It's natural. You're not pushing a lot. You're still reaching out and stuff, but it's so much more fun than trying to. And those are the marketers that get burnt out is they're building links, quote-unquote, all day long, and they just get sick of it. They get burnt out. But that's... That's not real marketing. That's how marketing was five years ago, not today. And that's the biggest mistake a lot of agencies, I think, are making personal opinion. Okay, link building. That's one. What's your second one? My second one, a lot quicker point, mainly in startup marketing. So I was just at One Million Cups, which is like a nationwide 
get together. They have in like a lot of the big tech cities like Kansas City, uh, San Francisco. They have two here in Utah, Salt Lake and Provo. And it's an event where entrepreneurs get together, talk about their business, and then get feedback from the audience. So I was there this morning, and there was one. There's a couple that got up there. They have a Kickstarter that that's uh, they're trying to get going. And it's kind of just plateaued, and they're trying to figure out how do we get more people to fund our Kickstarter. What can we do? A, I looked. They had no social going on. But the biggest thing was they had 182 people who have already spent money backing them, like 182 people who essentially believe in the product they're trying to build. And I asked, what are you doing to like utilize those 182? Well, I don't know. They've, they've sent donations. We're just trying to get more donations. It's like take advantage. So, so summarizing it, I think taking advantage of the audience you have, especially when you're very small and you're trying to compete against the big brands on the web, You've got to be very, very aware of who is interacting with your brand and just treat them like family and and really bring them in. Take advantage of the people who already believe in you. So those are my points, or two of them at least, two of the big ones. Nate? So mine's similar with that. Mine more has to do with uh, many marketers are not leveraging the content that they already have. For example, working in the agency setting, we had... We would have a client come in and uh, request uh, an infographic. And then, okay, we, we do all the ideation, we, we create the flow, they accept it, and at the end of the day, we, we deliver that, as, as they call it, we deliver that asset to them. And for them, the next step was publish on their blog, and that was the end of the story for them. And I just saw that as, that didn't make any sense to me. It didn't make sense, number one, that okay, you have this amazing piece of content that a lot of research went into. A lot of research, a lot of resources went into it. And you're not turning it into a couple of different micrographics. You're not turning it into a slideshow. You're not turning it into a, a social media post that you then use to pull your audience in. You're not atomizing it into different resources that you, then you can push into other mediums. So you spend a ton of money building this piece of content and it's, they basically treat it as a one-off. Absolutely. Let's spend $100,000 developing this amazing, huge campaign. And then, what do you and do then a that? month or two later when the buzz is all done, all right, well, let's spend another $100,000 or, or whatever it is, yes. $500, yes. right? But no, that makes sense. I Exactly. So, And you'll, you'll even get to the point of, uh, of e-books. You'll have a company that produces a, an amazing e-book that's, a, that's a, a perfect resource for their potential customers or audience, and they... All they do it with it is put it behind a paywall, and that's it. They don't use it as a as a form of, of lead generation. They don't use it as a form of micro blog content. They don't use it as a form of info behind infographics. They they see that they've put so so many resources into that one asset that they think they have to tie it directly to 100k in in uh, in resources needs to push to so many leads, where if they were to actually atomize it and correctly use it and distribute it, now not in its entirety because there is obviously value in having it behind a paywall at times, but they don't, from a lot of what I've seen, they really don't take advantage of the true potential of, of what the content is that they're sitting on top of. You can, a lot of times in the agency setting, you can go into their entire content repository, s- scrape through all their content, and you could honestly have ideas for two years of content to come. Not, not saying that it would uh, be time relevant anymore, but the idea is there. The basis is there. And I, I believe that a lot of marketers really aren't taking advantage of that because it's, 
it's really easy to, to replicate that, to expound, expound upon it, and spread it. Yeah, and kind of add on that, there's some companies that sit on some really cool data. GrooveShark was one that did a really good job. I mean, they went out of rest in peace, obviously. It was legal reasons that they uh, went out, but their marketing was really good, and they, and they released a lot of cool information where you could see that, man, Eminem, more people listen to Eminem on an Android. Like More people that listen to Eminem are using Android over Apple, or they're using Sprint over Verizon. They had all that data, and they made that data public and turned it into like, fun pieces of content that fans could look at to see... Why listen to Dr. Dre? What do other Dr. Dre fans? Are they on these different networks? It's really dumb, but and a lot of companies say we, we can't give that away. Like none of our competitors are going to know our analytics and stuff. I think there's way more value. Like Nathan said, you're sitting on these like easy. easy you don't have to pay some content guy to go out there and brainstorm this idea. So most companies are sitting on really interesting information and they either aren't thinking about sharing it or they're afraid to share it. And I think there's more value than risk in just being open with the cool information you have. So in one sentence, summarize what you just said. Unatomized content is not being leveraged. Love it. Something I wanted to address was mobile. I think that marketers today aren't aware or taking advantage of the fact that Google's moving on mobile. Did you have something? I don't know. I I think I disagree. Disagree Tell me why. I, I think that the industry is obsessed with mobile. It's like all, all we hear about. Talking about mobile, but how much are they doing about it? Well, who knows? I mean, I can't tell you that, but I would assume that we're probably doing a lot given how much we're talking about it. So I think that you're right. There is buzz around mobile. Uh-huh. But when, when we say industry, we're talking about digital marketers who have clients or they're doing specific digital marketing for their company in-house or whatever their situation is. I think I'm mostly talking about the, the people who are assigned in, in these big companies to handle digital marketing when maybe they don't know everything about it, right? They're self-taught or whatever it is. I think there are far more of those mm-hmm. than actual digital marketers who keep up on it. You're describing the person who they step to that, people who know that some Google updates coming out prior to it even coming out and yeah. being prepared for it. But I think that there's a far majority of people in companies who are doing the digital marketing who aren't necessarily trained or it was kind of pushed on them. It's kind of like... Uh, it was an assumed role. Yeah, kind of, where it, it wasn't what they were hired for, but the company now realizes how important digital marketing is, so they're, they're trying to put resources there but don't really know what to do. There's a, there's a graphic by market, marketingcharts.com, and it shows a, a graph basically showing the shift from desktop to mobile since uh, 2013. And even in the last two years, there's been a, in, a huge shift from desktop to mobile where just last year, there was uh, the shift uh, went from a majority going from desktop or viewing content or, viewing or, or surfing the internet on desktop to mobile. And mobile is now on top. And what that means is the mistake that I'm talking about is that marketers are building content uh, they're they're optimizing their pages, whatever it is, for desktop users first, right? Mm-hmm. And that's the big mistake, is that even the people who realize that mobile is important... Look at Moz. What about Moz? Moz's homepage is not... Their, their, their site is not mobile-friendly. That's true, but they're open about it. They, like, exactly. talk about it all the time. They're like, they, yeah, like, we talk about how important we want it to be mobile is, but, but we're not going to do it. I mean, as long as they say it out loud, I think they yeah. think that it's okay. 
But biggest mistake marketers make as far as mobile goes is that they build content for desktop and then convert it to mobile instead of vice versa. Now that more people are surfing the web or are consuming content on mobile devices, that should be how content is built and then optimize it for desktop later. What would you say about the counter-argument that most of e-commerce actually happens on desktop? People will browse mobile, but the, the actual point of purchase doesn't happen on mobile for the most part. Counting out Amazon. I mean, many companies have been told if you want a, a mobile strategy for e-commerce, list your products on Amazon. What would you say about uh, browsing generally for content and awareness versus actual purchase. Well, I think it depends on what your strategy is, right? Amazon has a strategy and they have the resources and the money to put into easy pay scenarios where it's one click and you've got your product. They have a patent on that so others can't copy it. Well, regardless, there are other creative ways to make mobile uh, purchasing easy, right? Make it a two-click. <laughs> I mean, that's a lot easier than, than what most people have. But you have two different strategies, one strategy is if you know that your consumers are in the research phase, you're not going to be pushing buy now calls to action on them, but you're going to educate them on what they're looking for and how they can get it. And if then later they come to desktop, then that portion of your strategy, the portion where people are buying, should be optimized for desktop. And you can see all that stuff in your analytics. Sure. And segment it. Personalization. That's what it's called. You personalize the the buyer's journey to your audience. Well, my answer to that would be, I I, I agree in a way. It's, I can't, agreeing is worthless. The stats are that more people finish transactions on desktop than they yep. do mobile. But I think, and again, I don't have facts on this, but me personally, my decision has been made on mobile. Like I, I find the projector that I want because I'm browsing on their nice mobile shopping cart. And then I go to desktop and I'll finish it. If, if I go onto your site, I find you through Google search, and your site is not mobile-friendly, I'm not even going to browse on your site. I'm just going to go to somewhere else. That's because a lot of people, especially outside of marketing, who don't work on a laptop all day long, more millennials, most, I think over 50% of millennials I read don't even own a laptop, which means mobile is huge. Like Regardless of the whole algorithm crap, I think, I think mobile getting was completely overhyped. Why, are we, why do we care about an algorithm? The fact is users, over 50% are using mobile. And so, yeah, you're going to... I love that. Actually, actually, that might be the biggest mistake that marketers make. And I, I'll, I'll amend my statements prior to the, the biggest mistake that marketers make is that they build and market content algorithms. For a robot. And not for the user. Yeah. I agree. Definitely. So, yeah, mobile experience I think is huge. I, I think what's interesting, too, is the fact that you talked about millennials not owning laptops Nate, you mentioned that more purchases are made on desktop. Uh, I think, and I, you know, who knows, but I would submit that the reason more purchases are made on laptops is because typically people who have money are older, and we have been trained that when you buy something, you buy it on your laptop. I'm positive, and you know, I predict that uh, 10 years from now, it won't be the case that more purchases are made on laptops. Millennials will expect that they can be able to go onto their site, whatever site they want, and purchase something full transaction without ever touching a desktop. And it's just the lack of user experience design. Um, 
that they had that we've all been that we've all learned to buy stuff on on laptops, and that won't that won't be the case. Well, let's think, let's take a second and talk about Amazon's little simple button that you push because that's ten years down the road where everybody's using it. The biggest issue is user interaction, user interface of the mobile device. Amazon has it pinned down to one-touch purchase or one-click purchase. So I'm going beyond the one-click purchase from their website. I'm talking about the little device that you can buy and slap on the side of your coffee machine. Definitely. And you just click on that when you're running low on your your coffee grounds and boom, two days later, bada bing, bada boom, let's hear it. You uh, turn on Siri and say, hey, uh, give me some paper towels. Well, I'll I'll go further than that. Wait for Internet of Things where you have an intelligent pantry that knows that you're down on... on Yeah, that's garbage. Come on. We're talking 10 years out, Nate. Internet of Things. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Let me take you back to reality today. (laughs) Uh, And I think the reason that Amazon... I don't think it's going to be super successful right away because we're not accustomed to that. But mobile, the advantage mobile has is... More and more, like Hotel Tonight, for example, I can book a hotel just by clicking Apple Pay because my phone already has – I don't even have to get my credit right. card out, which a desktop requires. And I think as more and more apps The problem is that's, a, lo- that's cards, a low considered purchase. What do you mean low considered? You don't hotel? think too much. Sure. A hotel? Sure. I, I do disagree. a ton of research on a hotel. I disagree. Wait, hotels wait, tonight, wait, on, wait, on, wait, 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 wait. Hotels wait. Tonight is nothing more than it's available tonight. i got to get something right now. Yeah, this isn't this isn't based on your personal opinion. Just because you guys take a long time to review what hotel it is doesn't mean it's uh, no, I don't. But at all. bottom line, like tra- most transactions online are not like you know three thousand dollar purchases. They're all small purchases. Yeah, it depends on the consideration of the purchase. And so if I can browse something and then like you, there's a lot of impulse buyers out there, and if I can just click on pay with Apple Pay or pay with Google Wallet, I'm so much better that you pull that credit card out, you start you typing the numbers in, you're like, oh crap, is the money even in the bank account? Mobile is going to change that. I want to. I want to see you yeah, shop for a vacation on your mobile device. I have. I've. I've. I booked an entire vacation on my phone and to Las Vegas because that's see. the only place he goes well, on vacation. He, yeah. he lived in Vegas, so that's that's cheating too. No, I lived in Vegas. <laughs> yeah, he didn't live in Vegas. Oh, someone, mentally, someone yeah, yeah. I, mentally, I do. <laughs> I lived in Vegas. Vegas. Yeah, so Vegas. That's, right. that's right. But I, for me, hands down, I couldn't even imagine booking and, and doing an entire vacation on on mobile. Really? Because that's I've got change. tabs Literally? all over the place. I've got reviews that I'm reading, and no, that's. I'm not going to scroll around with a little little screen with my thumbs two inches. Well, well that's a crappy mobile other. experience. Well, As not just mobile improve, yeah, which Nate, it will. Nate, it will get improve. A, get a better phone. <laughs> yeah, that, hey, you got Yeah, hey. that's good. You do need a better phone. I'm solid with my 4s <laughs> for sure. But the thing is, we keep saying I don't do that, but that doesn't mean that everyone Everybody else won't. Else. Right. The mobile experience is going to get better, and more and more people are going to be planning their vacations on their phone because it's convenient. Because when they're on the subway or on the train or a lot of people, while they're driving, they're going to pull out their phone and they're just going to do a couple of taps and they're going to be off to Hawaii let in the me, next couple of days. Let me use this to segue into what I think the biggest mistake marketers make. Love it. I think the biggest mistake marketers make is not understanding what their demographic thinks. Making too many decisions that aren't based off of data is, I think, the biggest mistake marketers make. Which they is think, what we've been doing for the last exactly. 15 minutes. Exactly. <laughs> like, let's look at the data. Are, are people doing research on hotels? We can find that out. We, wouldn't, we, we couldn't find that out 50 years ago, but we can now. We can know who are they considering, why do they make their decisions, how much time are they spending on each individual brand uh, or hotel chain. There's no reason in this day and age that we need to make gut decisions. Everything can be backed up by data. And so I think that's that's the biggest mistake marketers make. It's not using data. I love analytics. That's. I think at some point it's gonna uh, there's going to be some algorithm or something out there 
that matches you with specific reviewers for certain aspects. So going to a hotel, if the, the internet will find out who has similar preferences to you, and then basically you'll be able to follow other reviewers. And when you're reviewing other things, that's your go-to person. That's what right? Needle does. Word for word, that's what Needle does. Needle connects advocates with potential buyers. And well, there you go. Personalized questions. This isn't 10 years down the road. It's happening now. Revolutionary. Exactly. All right. Anyway, so I think that's the biggest mistake, bigger than all, all your mistakes. Is that they don't know their they're not audience. Using, they're not using data to make decisions. I, I definitely agree that that is a huge mistake. It's very hard to quantify biggest mistake. Sure. But if I were to pick top three, I think that one would definitely be up let's, there. Let's, can, let's try to quantify it. Well, you can still get I want to quantify biggest mistake as how we can measure it is the potential revenue lost by doing this action. And I so, think that that is the biggest mistake. So inter- bigger, interesting, bigger interesting, interesting that you have your opinion of what the biggest one is, and then you define how to quantify it based on <laughs> your top choice. Sure. Well, I mean, as marketers, our job is to boost revenue, right? Okay. So going along those lines, loss of revenue. So you're saying that marketers who don't use data to back up their decision making is that is that fair to say? Right. So maybe not even back up, but make decisions. Data isn't driving the content. Right. So they'll build content without, you have a group of four people, right? Okay. And they're brainstorming. They'd say, you know what? I think, uh, I think if we make this blah, 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 <laughs> right. then this will happen. And nobody says, well, why don't we just Google that real like quick? Like what and, are people looking and, and for? S- yeah. And see if that's going on. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I think there are other things that may hurt your revenue a little bit more. Like? The reason I say that is because I think that there are people in this world, plenty of them, who can come up with ideas that are uh, innovative and new and catchy. And it's it's almost a given. Like, oh, yeah, this will be successful. Sure. Totally. And maybe it's not fair because I bet a, more, a, a majority of people probably aren't in that boat. But if, if we're looking at it, so let's go around real quick. So it, it affects revenue the most. That's how we're quantifying this. Paxton says it's not using data to drive your campaigns. Brandon, what well, was your... Let me... I think it's broader than that, not just campaigns, but all your marketing decisions. Okay. Brandon, what do you got? Or Nate, that's fine. Well, I've I've kind of got a counter to that too because, yes, I very much – I love the data behind information. I I love using analytics to to make decisions. But you're all familiar with the the saying of half the money I I spend on advertising is wasted. You just don't know which half. You don't know which half. Exactly. To this day, as intelligent as – all the technologies that we have, we still don't have ways to measure 100% of what we're doing. And so a lot of the decisions we have to make cannot be based on data because that data is not available. Yeah, but I would, I'd say that 95% of the decisions we make can be based off of data and we're only using 5% of it. Or at least a portion of data. We're not using the data that we do have. But I think Nate's on to something here in that w- one of the biggest problems is that when people are doing campaigns, they're not tracking it and collecting data to know whether or not that that campaign was successful. Sure. And, and that's revenue included. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so you could have made revenue, but you can't attribute it to that specific campaign because you don't have tracking yeah. set up. Yes. And I'd say that falls within the same 
bucket of not using data. So here, here's my question with, with well, that. If, this you say, is, if you this, say it's the biggest, the biggest mistake is not using data, Sure. do you think all the data is available to make those decisions correctly? No. I, well, well, then how, how do they solve that? You use 100% of the data that is available. But even right. so, you then still are going to be misinformed with something. Well, some yeah, things. obviously. But what I'm saying is we're only using a small portion of the data that we have access to. So sure. that's the biggest mistake. I'm not suggesting that sure, every sure, single sure. decision. No, I understand. I understand it's a mistake, but I won't say it's, a, it's the data. biggest mistake because I think to this day you so still name, have name a mistake to... that's bigger. Atomization of content. You think that's costs more revenue? I don't think so. I think at the end of the day, it's not uh, to be to be fair. To, to be fair, right? We weren't judging we, the same we, criteria <laughs> before, <laughs> no, but no, we no, didn't no. define let's, it let's as revenue. This. So you say there's one bigger. What is it? Good question. I'm just saying. What was yours again? Um, Brandon? I had two. It was uh, link building, biggest mistakes, as well as not taking advantage of your initial audience when you're first starting out with your website, mm-hmm. whatever it is. Obviously not. I mean, but with the data-driven decisions, I think the one dangerous aspect is is analyzing the data wrong. Sure. Uh, a very yeah. a very basic example is, hey, do we need to – I'm reading all this stuff that we need to have a mobile site. Do we need to go mobile? And then the marketer gets on there. Oh, let's see. Well, it looks like 80% yeah, of, our, of, our 80% of our traffic's desktop, so it doesn't yeah. look like we need to worry about it. Well, have you considered that? How do you rank on mobile? Is it just because right. like, there's a lot of different elements? So you got to be very smart. You have to know what you're doing to make good. Because I think a lot of people try to make data-driven decisions, and they end up making a worse mistake because they just took it in the wrong direction because they analyzed the data incorrectly. Sure. Or, or they analyzed the data correctly but only – one aspect of the data. Yeah, it's, it's so tough. so There's saying that eighty percent comes from desktop. He was probably right. Oh, eighty percent comes from desktop. But how many layers of data is he not using to maybe determine that that eighty percent isn't even relevant to what yeah. he's trying to do? I totally agree, but I don't think the answer is well. Let's not use any data because right, we might. I agree. I, I agree. Data driven decisions. I hate that. I shouldn't even use that phrase. It's such a buzz phrase. But <laughs> yeah, using data to make important decisions. Let's just reword it so, it so it's a little bit different. <laughs> it's not thing, a buzzword anymore. I mean, the thing to add to that that we really emphasize in Market Campus is tracking your efforts. So not just looking at you know the data and analytics, but actually tracking your progress as a marketer, as a company. I think we don't do – many marketers don't do a good enough job tracking what they're doing, like actually visualizing the progress. And then you can actually see like, man, when we did this, when we were like taking notes on these campaigns, these did really well and these ones didn't do so well. I mean that's part of the data obviously, but – a lot of it is some manual tracking on the marketer's part, not just mm-hmm. popping into Google Analytics, looking at content data, traffic, and stuff. There's a lot of different sources, and some of that is involved with us as marketers putting in the time to track that. Sure. Agreed. Okay, I think we're right at the time limit now. To announce a winner of this <laughs> this podcast? I don't know. Are, are we going to vote on that? Or just move on. Misuse of content. Just saying. Misuse of content. What was yours again, Jacob? Uh, mine was mobile, but but then I amended that, saying I think the biggest mistake is uh, no, no. It was um, building and, and marketing content for the algorithm rather than the yeah. user. Mm-hmm. Which, to be honest, I don't I don't think that as far as revenue goes, if you're building for the algorithm, you'll still. Yeah, you'll yeah. still be okay. I mean, you'll take a hit to revenue certainly. Like, yeah, you will, but it, it but... won't. It won't be huge. Yeah. Anyway, so, uh, yeah. So I win. I win. All right, point. Paxton is declared the winner as All far right, as the most, the most 
what are we calling this? The worst mistake that marketers make that affects revenue. You could argue, though, that uh, in order to have data to analyze, you've got to be doing a lot of other things first. Sure. Well, that, that's what that's what Nate was saying. Content, yeah. You're not going to have accurate that, that's, data. That's what Nate My was point saying. Is not correctly using your your content assets. Well, okay. Yeah. So Paxton said that it's kind of rolled into the same one. I disagree because you can't have one without the other. You can't not gather data and then use data. So, so you have to. You, ha- you don't have anything to use. Based on yeah, well, sure. N- not you don't even have to use your own data. And maybe that's coming back to Paxton's point is you could most of the time you're doing stuff. Someone else has already done anyway, so use their data. Well, I've I have seen companies that don't even have analytics on their site, and they're still successful with the content they're using because they know their audience. They have they have no tracking to it. How do they know their audience? What do you mean? How do they know their audience? They talk to their customers. And do they record that information? Why would? What do you mean? Do they like? like have their if it's a survey form and they and they well, write if, it down, if, that's if he's he's trying to tell you that whatever data. they're gathering is data. Okay. Data and isn't limited to just Google Analytics. It's not. And, and I, it ha, if we had more time, I'd ask more about developing personas, which is in, an interesting topic to me. But um, in order to develop a persona, which basically is a representative of your audience, you do have to use a da- uh, gather data. Anyway, we're out of time. Let's run around. Last word, 60 seconds or less. Let me emphasize that. 60 seconds or less for a last word. Last thing you want to say, last thought. It goes uninterrupted, 60 seconds. We'll start with you, Nate. All right. So my point is that most companies have a treasure trove of content that they have already paid for and they're really just not using. And you just need to mix a little bit of creativity, a little bit of uh, social juice, a little bit of uh, content marketing. And honestly, you can, I won't say stop creating content because that's, counterproductive but you can leverage 10 20 30 fold what you already have and most are just missing that opportunity love it paxton i think it's all it all goes back to data that's it great brandon i will end with a gem for our listeners a little tip from the pro here uh pros since we're all pros if your site or if you are managing a site that is using Google AdSense, you're sitting on a gold mine of data. A lot of people don't realize Google AdSense does more than just make you money. If you go into the actual AdSense account and look at which ads are displaying, majority of the ads that display are based off the user's history, where they're browsing and whatnot. So you can actually see all the different specific categories. So if you're trying to come up with ideas of like, what type of content does my, do my users want? You might see that there's a certain topic that a lot of maybe a lot of your users are visiting dating websites, so dating ads keep popping up. Okay, let's start doing some content around singles within our, our category. So that's my tip: is take advantage of the data that a lot that, that's inside AdSense that no one's ever looking at. It's awesome. a great tip. It is a good tip, and another mistake that marketers make it by not utilizing, not utilizing the data. The data. <laughs> Thank you, Paxton, for pointing that out. My last word is everyone makes mistakes. All marketers, even the best marketers make mistakes. If you're gathering the data and you closely monitor it, you'll be at the advantage of knowing what your mistakes are quicker than others. And by using that data and creating content specifically for the user and not for the algorithms, you'll get a lot further in your job. You'll generate more revenue. You'll 
get more kudos at work, more raises, more promotions. Just remember, it's as easy as Googling what the biggest mistakes our marketers are making. And there are tons and tons of articles out there. I know because I looked it up. (laughs) Keep up to date. The mistakes happen when you stop doing your research. When you stop, when you start to think that you know everything and you start using those tactics over and over and over again, eventually they get outdated. And if you're not up to date, you're dunsky and you're making mistakes more and more. All the content, all the, all, everything that we've referenced will be posted on our website at belowthefold.io. If you have questions, comments, if you yourself have other opinions or think that there's another mistake that marketers are making that are costing more revenue and you want to one-up one up Paxton, throw it down there on the comments and we'll, we'll engage with you. Until next time, we're Below the Fold. <laughs>